back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your ghoulish host, Harvey. <laughs> I love... Okay, sorry guys. Again, we moved our studio to Angel's fucking living room because that hot box of a normal studio is terrible. <laughs> I'm currently sitting in a rocking chair and I feel so freaking evil. I love it. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like the tall man in Phantasm. Like, <laughs> what did you call it? Your fireside chat. My fi- oh yes, this is my fireside chat. Hello, I'm Franklin Delano Roosevelt. <laughs> Have y'all cured polio yet? <laughs> that would be very nice. Um, so this uh, this week really kind of is the even though yesterday I feel like last week's episode with Scream was kind of the kickoff. Uh, now we're getting closer to the month of October. So, um, we will be releasing a schedule this week that's going to have uh, all the films that we're reviewing this month, and uh, I think it's going to be a nice slate of movies that we're going to do that are, are a nice mix of, you know, current and, well, not, I'd say more modern horror and then yeah. also classic. Yeah, um, we have, uh, we tried our best to try to good, do a good mix of different directors, different stories you know we got some john carpenter in there we got what else oh no we didn't do clive barker we did um toby Ober. yeah exactly him so, so we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll release the schedule and uh but in you know in the meantime this week we're actually talking about the film that came out last year uh which was directed by john krasinski that's right jim halpert baby <laughs> his directorial debut debut <laughs> um and this movie came out last year, but I have to be totally honest, I did not watch it when it came out last year. I really wanted to watch this movie, but because of, I was told it's such an atmospheric movie, and there it actually requires your audience to shut the fuck up, <laughs> I was like, there's no way I can watch it in a movie theater unless I were to pay a shit ton of money to go watch it at the uh, Alamo Draft House out in well, I knew I wasn't San Francisco gonna, I knew I wasn't going to be able to watch it because obviously I've talked about this before that you know last year when I became a parent oh my god we get it you fuck <laughs> shut the fuck up <laughs> but last year you know when we had an infant daughter it was very difficult for us to go out and see any movies right yeah so uh you know, my whole thought on that, and really now to a lesser extent, but still, it's not like I get out to movie theaters as much as I used to, but yeah, I figured I had to wait until the movie was going to come out on video, and I, oh, I'm sorry, I'd reached a point where I knew that we were going to launch this podcast, so I decided to put it off uh, in for the event that we would get to it at some point, which... I really wanted to couple this one... A Quiet Place with Bird Box. Yeah. It's so funny. When we were when I was watching this, I was remembering that that all those months ago, back in the beginning of the year, which literally feels like years ago. It does. Um, we had we reviewed Bird Box on Netflix, which now, you know, months later feels like such a movie of the moment. Like it just came and went. We kinda called that that <laughs> if it wasn't for that movie being a Netflix, no one would have cared. Yeah. And where I feel like this movie obviously has a bit more of a shelf life, especially since it's been recently announced that there's going to be a sequel. <laughs> I'll talk more about that as the movie continues, or as our review of the film continues. So, what was your experience with A Quiet Place? 
I feel like I just told you with my experience. I was about to say, like, it's kind of hard. This isn't also, really a movie that we grew up with. No, but uh, but I also, I, I, will, I would like to say that, you know, being someone who uh, has a child who, for, you know, for, for reasons... Who makes is, so much noise. <laughs> no. <laughs> who is different, right? Who is uh, Who has differences as who, opposed to quote-unquote normal kids. I think one of the things that's really awesome about this film is that John Krasinski, they uh, casted in the role of Reagan, uh, mm-hmm. the daughter who is deaf, a actress who is deaf yep. and understands sign language. And I think that when we talk about representation in film, I think that is a key thing that makes... I, I don't know, I'll put it to you this way. When we watch Bird Box... I think one of the reasons why I wasn't so crazy about a lot of the stuff that they did in that movie was because it feels false, right? They had that blind priest at the end, remember? Yeah, for sure. Now I'm just playing. No, like I get what you're saying. Like, <laughs> but I, I think the thing is, I think with this actress and this storyline, not only does does it feel authentic because of the actress that they casted, but I think John Krasinski does such a good job of of putting a lot of. Um, you know, he gives a lot of validity to it. He, he learns sign language. There's a lot of actual sign language in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very impressive. It's, I think when we talked about, when we did the review on Us, and we talked about how, you know, funny guys like Jordan Peele and like all these other guys, like they, they when they step into the horror realm, or Danny McBride, right? Like yeah. they, can, they, they can come up with something that's kind of game-changing, right? Yep. To a lesser extent, Danny McBride, because I feel like Halloween had a lot of co- comedic moments in it. Yep. Where I feel like uh, John Krasinski and Jordan Peele is a lot more on the serious side. So. Well, I mean, I mean, Halloween was still bit, was still pretty serious. Like, yes, of course. I'm but, sorry, I just will not stand for slander of Danny McBride on the show. No, no, no. I'm not slandering him. In fact, I'm very excited. Danny, for- did you hear that? Angel slandered you. <laughs> I am the true Danny McBride fan of the of the, of the group. Well, you I? probably are. Yeah. I'm not, but Tropic I, Thunder, that's my shit. But I also don't disrespect the man. I think he... Just because it's funny, it doesn't mean that it's bad. Why do you hate Danny McBride? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. No, like... No, I totally get it. Like, I don't know... I don't know how much of, um, I don't know, I, like, like Jim, like Jim Halpert, oh my god, he will never <laughs> escape that, I swear to god. Which I, is funny, because it's like, I don't even think that you really like The Office like that, I'm whereas not a I was huge a giant fan, The Office yeah. fan. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm Parks and Rex over The Office, they're both good shows, like, I'm also not gonna hear, hear shit talk The Office, like, The Office has its moments. But it was just one of those things where it's like I don't know, like he's he's such he was he was a good actor. He was good at playing that that role, right, of Jim Halpert. And it's like to see John Krasinski not only transcend being the lovable the lovable slacker in The Office, and to becoming Jack Ryan, like Uber. Well, I think it was thirteen Uber hours. American. Thirteen hours was the film that did that, which. Whatever. I'm not you mean too- Clinton's <laughs> emails the movie? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna say I like the movie that kind of launched I've, his serious solo acting. Career. I've honestly never seen it. 
So it really is. But then I'm super weird because I'm I don't know I'm like hit and miss with certain war movies, and that was just one of those that was like eh. Chris Pratt was in Zero Dark Thirty, right? So it's like there was a Zero Dark. Oh my God, there was a Zero (laughs) Dark Thirty. These things there there's precedence for that kind of stuff. But I mean that was like where you kind of started to see him as like a quote unquote serious actor. That's what I'm saying is that you got to see him transcend from being the lovable lovable slacker to see him as like Mr. Uber American in Thirteen Hours. And then you see him double Mr. Uber American as Jack Ryan, you know? And then you see those fan edits of him dressed up as, like, Captain America. Like, (laughs) for now that um, Chris... uh, Crap, which one? Which Chris was it? Chris Evans. Evans. Yeah. Now that Chris Evans kind of retired... Oh, you know, retired the role... And you're like, oh, wow, he actually does kind of look like he'd make a decent Captain America. It's like, it, you know, you see him transcend, become this action star, and then you find out, and the guy can write? So you're telling me he's jacked, handsome, and funny, and can write? It's like... He's also married to Emily Blunt, who he co-stars with in this film. Like some people. <laughs> and a here I am, a fat, schlubby bastard from the Bay Area who makes ends meet reviewing movies on the internet like a little trash boy it's not fair is what i'm trying to say but you don't make ends me doing this you do this for free i'm stupid (laughs) um yeah so i mean in this point we really could just get into the movie Um, yeah just uh, yeah the one thing i just wanted to say about it is i'm glad i watched this movie i ended up watching this movie with my girlfriend i'm glad i watched it at home because if i would have watched this with regular audiences i would have been fucking furious because I think a big part of this movie is just being able... Like, the setting you're watching it in, right? Because this movie, as opposed to any other movie... Or this movie, most of all, is completely reliant on sound, or lack thereof. Like, not just as a thematic purpose, but just kind of like as a storytelling purpose. Yeah. So it's one of those things where if I would have seen this with fucking 16-year-old edgelords, I would, I would, I would have reported them to the proper authorities. I don't know if this is going to make sense, but I, the experience that I had watching this film was kind of the experience I get when I'm watching a musical. And the way... The re- that is literally the exact opposite. <laughs> no, I mean, like, okay, so I'll put it to you this way. Yeah, no, If I ahead. watch a movie like... Um, if I watch a mo- no, if I watch a movie like like Lim is right, which came out in 2012, the the 2012 version with Hugh Jackman and you know and all and, and Anne Hathaway and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and you just have a movie that's like music from beginning to end. Yep. When one when that gets interrupted for just a moment for silence, or when someone breaks out in like actual non singing dialogue after you've been hearing them sing for a long time. There's something about it that just kind of like jolts you a little bit, mm-hmm. and I think, and that's what I mean. Is like in this movie, it's very obviously it's very silent for the most part. A lot of it, it's it's a silent movie by it's and like, large. It's like it takes place in a quiet place, <laughs> and and you know the moment when you hear someone like when you hear sounds come out of someone's mouth, it's jarring because mm-hmm. you've been so used to the silence for so long. Yeah. And that's what I mean. It's like, and I know that like the musical analogy might be a little weird, mm-hmm. but that's what it, that's kind of the feeling I get when you're just used to hearing either something or nothing, and then all of a sudden you just hear something that like just kind of wakes you up a yep. little bit. So you, humble listener, I recommend that if you haven't watched the movie, pause this podcast right now. Pause it. And then what you're gonna well actually no pause it when I'm done talking but what you're gonna do is you're you're gonna pause it and really challenge yourself to watch the movie 
without any like really immerse yourself and without talking like without talking about it with like if you're watching with somebody like try not to react and like you really put yourself in those shoes because i think that's a big part of this whole experience of the film is you got to be immersed in it i appreciated watching this with headphones on yeah like not on tv like just in my zone um i fell asleep while i was watching it not because the movie was bad you were like, just dog tired. I've been very exhausted this week just with, like, you know, work and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I swear to you, like, I had moments when I was watching this film when I was just falling asleep. And then the moments, in, in the moment, like, I would hear, like, sounds come out of someone's mouth or just something happened. wakes you the fuck it, up. That's what I mean about the <laughs> jolt. Like, it's yeah. like that would be, that would, would be what would just, like, snap me out of that sleep I was falling into. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting device, uh to use sign language as the main to really have sign language be the main language in this film yep and yeah like it's pretty interesting and i think if you're someone who can watch foreign films mm-hmm. this works right if you have no problem watching subtitles if yes. you have absolutely no problem watching anything with subtitles like angel said a foreign film if you which i don't like, or, you know, some of us, I mean, my girlfriend is the type of person that she needs to watch with subtitles. Like, she's, uh, and she's not hard of hearing, she just, sometimes she needs to focus on something. Oh, I do too. I, yeah. I, I, I'll put on subtitles for movies that, like, I can hear the dialogue for all the time. Yeah. Just because, A, if I have my daughter who's just, like, screaming or making a ton of noise... I can't follow what's happening, even if the volume is really high. Yeah, she takes that as a challenge. So, <laughs> so I like to be able to just kind of read dialogue to understand what's happening. Yeah, so definitely, if you have no problem with that, yeah, they, you'll be able to follow this movie along. Um, so now that I'm assuming those of you that paused it came back and wanted to listen to the episode, unpause it. Now here's what you're going to do. I want you to uh, you know, sit down next to the fireplace and listen to Daddy Lopez talk about... I'm sorry, it's the rocking chair. Who has a fireplace anymore? I do. All right, well, (laughs) fucking rich boy. (laughs) What's the problem? Are you too poor? (laughs) Maybe you should try not being poor. (laughs) So without further ado, let's get into A Quiet Place. So this movie takes place in the year 2020, the faraway year of the future. The far-flung future. The world of tomorrow, today. <laughs> you know what it kind of reminds me of? And I hope this makes any sense to you at all. You ever watched Predator 2 starring Danny Glover? Fuck yeah, I watched Predator 2. So that 2. movie is very obviously made in 1990. Yep. But the movie tends to actually takes place in 1997. Yep. <laughs> so that is what the future sounds like to me when I see this. This is obviously like a much like when we watch Bird Box. It's a, po- a post-apocalyptic movie. Mm-hmm. Um... This is taking place in a world where there are monsters that are out, you know, that are out beyond where we can see, right? It's implied that they're aliens, but I don't remember there ever being mention of their origin in the film. So, adding to the whole, like, mystery of the creatures, they just showed up and essentially started fucking shit up. You know, people immediately find out they're bulletproof, can't kill them with guns, and they have no eyes, so they rely completely on sound. And they have zero problem tearing into people the way monkeys tear into muffins. (laughs) I was proud of that line. (laughs) 
So, as we see, this is... I don't know how far into the apocalypse it's supposed to be. Maybe a year. But essentially, it's about a family that's been surviving. So, there's Lee, the father. Mm-hmm. There is Evelyn? Is that Emily Blunt's character? I yes. think it's Evelyn. Reagan, the daughter. Marcus, the son. And then little baby Bo. So... Right off the bat, they devote so much to world building, right? Like, this is very clearly a family that's been surviving the post-apocalypse, and they've really devoted to it, to the point where they've created paths to, like, walk around. They painted footprints so the kids know what's safe to walk on. Like, they like the kid, They were all walking um, barefoot, so that way they can't make any sound. Like, they... Pretty much in the first, in like the opening scene, they do so much, they pay attention to so many little details that build the world. And all it does is create this world where, like, as, as the audience, it really gets the message across that sound equals bad. Well, you want to know something about it that's more subtle, that's even more impressive to me, is that you could look at all of this and you could wonder how logical it is that they have built this entire world for themselves like this Mm -hmm. because you're like well obviously these aliens haven't been around for a long time but the but the out that you get here is that they have a daughter who's deaf yeah who cannot hear and i will say this as you know as a again like when we talk about parents who have kids that are you know they're that are just the way they are right Mm -hmm. they're special the way they are but they're different quote-unquote different um you as a parent start to learn the best way to help your child Mm -hmm. right and i think one of the things that again why i really just love the fact that again it feels authentic this is obviously Mm -hmm. john krasinski and his real life wife they do have kids together and it's just so authentic this family feels like a real family to me mm-hmm. and i think that's the biggest and i, I the biggest disappointment or, or regret that i have watching this movie is that now, they're not all actually related no 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 the biggest regret that i have watching this movie now is that i watched it after i watched bird box yes because yeah. bird box is very clearly the direct-to-video version of this <laughs> it is the much lower quality version of this this is like this is the asylum films version <laughs> like it is the great value version of this it's the transmorphers to transformers (laughs) oh my god yeah like i mean it's again it's very impressive how they've constructed you know a world that is instantly believable Mm -hmm. Um, and my favorite part is that it immediately addresses the like you said addresses anything that people would put up as like a plot hole or like you know just something to gripe about and being like, hey, our kid was born deaf. Or our kid lost their hearing before this cataclysm happened. Mm-hmm. So we already learned ASL. Like, we happen to know it. And it's like, cool, perfect. Your family can communicate without using sound. I don't ever have to worry about that. And like, you don't have to question it. Yeah, you don't have to question it. Yeah. Like, everyone knows, right? It's um, not like... <laughs> because it's like something like this makes no sense. Like, it would make no sense if it was like... If everyone in this family was just, you know, 
quote unquote normal people. Mm-hmm. And then this happens, and then all of a sudden the dad like goes they all down, immediately goes, learn yeah, ASL. Yeah, all of a sudden the dad will go to the local abandoned library and have books on, on sign language, and they all learn sign language. Like this is again, it just works. Yeah, it's it's perfect. It's like I'd say it's good shorthand. You yeah. don't have to explain a ton of it. That when way. kids are born and they start playing life on hard mode, as your kid learns to adapt, so do the parents. Exactly. Just wanted to say that. So, right off the bat, they also, what I love about this movie is how brutal it is. And how it sets up the rules for the rest of the film quickly in the beginning. So, as they're in the pharmacy, little baby Bo finds a toy. A little... An abandoned pharmacy, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this whole place that they live in. Oh, everything is abandoned. No, and they're... Literally, the cast is seven people. Like, this is not a big cast. Yeah. Um, so little baby Bo finds a, a, a spaceship toy, and as he's trying to as he's trying to play with it, you know Lee ends up ta- you know he catches him before he can play with the toy and uh, make it make a sound, and Lee takes out the batteries and he signs to him, explain to him that you know we can't make any sound, um, and he tells him he can't take the toy. So as the family proceeds to leave, Reagan. Wanting to be a good big sister, gets the toy and gives it to Bo. Says, you know, says quote unquote that you know, well, it's their secret, right? So as they go along and they're they're going back home, Bo is in the back. You know, they're set up in certain ways, or they're walking in a certain order, right? Um, Bo is in the back. He starts reaching into his bag and he plays with the toy. And it's like, this is maybe 12 minutes into the movie, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a little bit less, like 8 to 12 minutes in. The first sound, major sound we hear is the uh, the, the toy spaceship go off. Angel, you have a daughter. I have a goddaughter. She has a lot of toys that make noise. And make loud noises. (laughs) If that shit can... You know, fucking quiet a room with how loud some of, you know, your daughter's toys are. This thing just, like, shattered the silence. And it, like, immediately, it makes... It made me, like, oh! Like, yeah, it was one was, of those moments. Again, it was a huge gas. This was item number one on the wake counter while yeah. I was watching this. If there was a, if there was an updated rule... You know, last week on Scream, we talked, uh, we talked about the rules of horror... In the rules of this world, number one and maybe only rules don't make a sound. <laughs> this kid shatters that rule and immediately pays for it in a very hard way. Where, like, you know, Lee comes booking it as hard, as fast as he can. And, you know, just as he's about to save Bo or just as, right before he can knock the toy out of Bo's hands, the kid gets tackled and killed by a monster. And it just happens so fast that you actually have to be like... <gasps> Like, did that actually happen, you know? Which, this is a... This is something that is indicative of modern horror movies now. Mm -hmm. Modern horror movies are not afraid to take out characters that you... So, like, when we were talking last time about Drew Barrymore and Scream. Mm -hmm. That is one way to take out an important character. But I feel like there's modern horror movies now that are willing to take out innocent characters. Oh, yeah. They get it first and they get it bad. But... What makes it so 
interesting and special and what elevates this horror movie as it what elevates a lot of more modern horror movies that choose to deal with this mm-hmm. is that instead of just using it as like a gag that it's not gonna, a shock moment yeah it's yeah. not a shock gag that's just gonna be forgotten about in a moment right like it is a moment that triggers that, that basically causes a, a shift in the tone of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is that your your characters are now going to be dealing with the grief of losing that one character for the rest of the movie. Yep. And that in and of itself like carries so much weight in this entire film, you know? It, yeah, like you said, it's not something that's immediately forgotten about, and I really enjoy that. Something really interesting I didn't notice when I first watched that scene, it didn't hit me until like maybe halfway through the movie... So, remember, you know, they hear the noise, uh, Lee takes off running, and then Evelyn turns around and she kind of like puts her hand over her mouth so she can't scream, but she looks in terror, right? What's crazy to me is that, and I didn't realize this, Reagan was the only one that didn't react to the noise. Right. And I didn't realize that until later in the film when I saw Lee working on the cochlear implant. And I was like, because I, I was thinking about it, I'm like, how come she didn't turn around? And because at this point, like, they don't tell you she that she's deaf, you know? And then suddenly that, like, that was just so, it's such a crazy cool little detail to add that I was just like, that. now of course she didn't it's hear the It's kind of a sound. misdirect, too. It is. Because it makes you question the motives of her character. Mm-hmm. And there's another movie that came out last year that every podcast that I know has talked about. That maybe we should find a way to force in before the end of October because you were talking about it. Hereditary. That yeah, there is there's a there something in that movie happens that is a bit that is kind of a, a giant misdirect. Mm-hmm. Which um, again, yeah, that is that that's all I will say on that. Yeah. Oh my god, I just watched Hereditary, guys, and it's been fucking with me for the past three days. <laughs> for any of my friends that listen to the podcast and that I've been talking to about it, oh my god, you guys know what I've been going through. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, like, it was a huge misdirect, because, you know, it, it played into the whole idea that, did she not care, or what? And then suddenly you see you see Lee working on the co- the cochlear implant, and I'm like, holy shit, she couldn't hear it. Like, she couldn't hear the toy, so it must have hit her, like, the, the, the effect that has on her character, I'm like, it must have hit her double as much, you know? So, right off the bat, this move, this, the, the rules of this world are set. It's unforgiving if you're not paying attention, if you're not willing to adhere to the rule, you will die. Mm-hmm. So a year passes, and Reagan blames herself for her brother's death. Understandable, right? Again, this has now changed the tone of this film, and this character will now be dealing with grief for the rest of this movie. Marcus And guilt. Yeah. Survivor's guilt. Survivor's maybe. guilt. Yeah. Marcus is kind of like learning math from, or like he's learning school stuff from his mom. And then we find out that Evelyn, his mom, is pregnant. And she is ready to pop. And what is a baby other than a giant fucking noise machine? Yeah. <laughs> a big fleshy noise machine. It's, 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 it's the first thing you think about. Yep. That was the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, holy shit. A, what's going to happen when she gives birth? Yeah. B, 
B, what's going to happen when the baby is born. Yeah. And when the baby's older. Like, my daughter is a toddler now. She is out of her infant stage. She is almost oh. preschool age. That girl is loud. She would get us all killed in this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it's one of those things that you can't think about. But, you know, again, the, the, these characters are smart. Evelyn and Lee are smart, and I think that's the big thing I love about the about these two characters is they're they're smart horror characters. Everything they do is with purpose. Everything they do is for survival, right? Um, so they you know they 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 soundproof the basement. They work on that. They've been working on creating a soundproof box for the baby to sleep in and feeding like an oxygen tube, like. Like, this is where I guess you can go into that whole, that realm we were talking about where it's like, oh, Lee just went down to the local library and suddenly learned ASL, right? Like, yeah, he learned some, you know, engineering, like, he's, you you find out that he's working on a cochlear implant to help uh, Reagan. Um, It's, uh, I think the the other part of that is it really makes you think of, you know, okay, there's a lot of post-apocalyptic movies that exist, right? Yep. There aren't a lot of post-apocalyptic movies that will deal with what's going to happen to people who require medical tools to live a, you know, a functional life. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen at the end of the world to someone who's in a wheelchair? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen at the end of the world to someone who cannot see or hear? Like, the world is going to fundamentally change. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I hate to be grim, but I'm the kind of person that knows that, you know, that there are catastrophic changes coming to this world, and all of us better be as fucking prepared for it as possible. You're all going to die in there! <laughs> but yeah, it's absolutely, it's, it's he, yes, I, I will believe that he will force himself to at least kind of learn how to do that. I mean, maybe it's just because I work in computers, but working with technology, like, I, I feel like you don't have to be a super genius to, to know how this stuff is. No, not at all. You just have to be someone who understands how... You, you really... It's the mind of an engineer. Yeah. You just learn how something is put together, and all you really have to figure out is how you take it apart and put it back together. And that's what's really interesting about both characters, that they both do that. Yeah. You know, like, definitely, like, Lee is definitely handling all the engineering stuff. Then you got pretty... You got, um... You got Evelyn taking on the role of teacher, teaching her kids. Meanwhile, still essentially teaching herself... Like, very basic medicine and first aid, so that way she learns how to deliver her own child, right? So it's like, these characters are as prepared as they can be. And to a certain point, like, for me, it actually makes them more likable, you know? How many horror movies do we watch where people do stupid shit, and then you're like, that person deserves to die? These characters, they're doing everything they can to survive and prepare their kids. It's just, it makes them that more relatable, I guess. Not saying that I would be able to do half the shit they can do in this movie, but just saying, like, I relate to the fact of wanting to care, you know, caring for somebody enough, right? Um, so during this time, like, it, it's important to note that Reagan and Lee have a lot of, there, there's a lot of tension between those two. Reagan feels that not only is she blaming herself for Bo's death, she also blame or she thinks Lee blames her. And she thinks Lee doesn't love her anymore. And as a result, she lashes out at him a lot and they argue a lot, right? Um, 
And he, you know, he starts uh, relying on Marcus to do a lot of stuff around the house. There's that scene where he takes him fishing, right? And Marcus is scared shitless. He doesn't yeah. want to go. And it's like, you know, the, and, and he kind of forces him to go. Now, you know, I think we're, uh, you know, my dad has definitely forced me to do shit I didn't want to do, you know? Like, one of those things was, was hunting, like, when I was a kid. Like, I didn't want to go hunting. But, you know, in a world where th- that is necessary, like, um, you're like, oh, crap. Like, no, like, you, these are the skills you need to learn. And interesting enough, the scene, the scene where he takes him down to the, to, the, to the river and then down to the waterfall reminded me a lot of kind of like that experience with my dad. My dad teaching me and having that moment, that, that, that my first man-to-man talk with my dad, you know. Except our talk wasn't about, it wasn't about, you know, monsters not being able to hear us because the water covers up our sound. I think my first man-to-man talk was about sea monsters or some shit. Oh, yeah. Something that's much more believable. I told my dad about, you know, he, he's like, what do you think about when you look at the ocean? And I'm like, sea monsters. And he said, don't be stupid. <laughs> and that's when I became a man. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's it's definitely... Uh, it, it's, it's definitely rough because there's a lot of stuff where, again, part of what I relate to is... When you have a child that you are, I mean, obviously my child talks, but my child is not old enough to understand words and what they mean all the time. Just He just does it with basic words. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of nonverbal communication that happens between parents and kids. And I think the body language and, and just kind of the nonverbal communication, it's easy to, to, to understand why Reagan, like, you know, will feel the way that she does Mm -hmm. and it's one of those unfortunate things because it's like it it makes you sad as a viewer because you wish that these characters would just like talk be able to talk to each other you know and like tell each other how how you know how they feel but it's like no you just this is it you kind of have to force yourself to watch which is how real life is yeah in real life you don't always understand how someone else is feeling and in many cases you're not gonna ask them why yeah so a lot of it is sometimes it could just it's a gross misunderstanding just becomes where you live for years and years and years. And it's just awkward and it sucks, but that sometimes that's as good as it's going to get, you know? Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to point out is, like, kind of the whole... The, the subverting kind of expectations because sound has always been... Like, it's been established sound is bad in this world. But immediately, they also establish that natural sound is okay. That if they are around louder sounds, natural sounds, like the stream, that's safe. So that's where Lee and Marcus are able to have their heart-to-heart moment. They actually This is the first lines of dialogue we get the entire film. Um, and, and, you know, Lee and, Lee and Marcus have this conversation about Reagan. And where Marcus asks Lee straight up, do you still love her? And Reagan, I'm sorry, um, Lee tells Marcus that he always has and he always will. And then Marcus, I was like, oh, you got a little hair on your peaches somewhere. He tells him, well, why don't you tell her that? And again, it kind of feeds into that. What you were saying is that sometimes in the families, that is that awkward living place you occupy where it's just like, how can you 
communicate those feelings. It's not necessarily that you can't actually put put them to words or some form of communication. Or how can you be the person that's in the middle of two people that are having a misunderstanding? Yeah, you know? Like, it... Eh. Damn. <laughs> it's so fucking crazy. Um... So Lee, Lee and Marcus are working their way back to the farmhouse, and they encounter the screaming man. So they encounter this old guy, his wife is dead, and Lee asks him to, to stay quiet, to which the guy responds by screaming, immediately gets attacked. And I believe this, well, it's, it's not the first time Marcus... Uh, Marcus sees a monster attack somebody, but definitely, like, you can tell it's something that has an effect on him. You know, Lee tries to, tries to move him away so he can't see the guy getting killed. Fucking crazy. It was, I don't know why they added that scene, like, but I was okay with it. <laughs> yeah, it was, no, it, 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 it makes sense. It makes sense because, yes, there are still people that may exist in this world and other places. And there's also scenes where, you know, where they try to communicate with, outs- with the quote-unquote outside world. As well, right? Like, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things like you see in Walking Dead or any other post apocalyptic thing where part of it is you have to learn how to live your life. And then there's another part of it where you're just kind of wondering where the. <laughs> the you're always holding out hope that somewhere out there is the quote unquote, like, just government base that everything is safe in and everyone's okay at. <laughs> yep. And it's just like everyone is fine, and don't worry, guys. Everything is okay. And I don't know. That just kind of like solidifies that they're kind of on their own, right? So while while the boys are out doing man shit, Evelyn, the worst thing that can happen when she's by herself, she starts getting contractions. Her water breaks, and this baby's coming. This baby, like, and, you know, the worst part is that Lee isn't there. Marcus is away. At this point, I forgot what Reagan was doing. Oh, she ran away, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, she ran back to where Bo died. Um, because she's pretty much in this, like, fuck my family, like, they hate me anyway phase. So she, like, takes off. So Evelyn is by herself. Mm-hmm. And so she has to make the preparations. And... You know, she, they, they have, oh my god, it's the little subtle things they do. Like, something as simple as switching the lights, the green lights on the farm from green to red to indicate there's danger. I was just like, dude, that is so smart. Like, yeah. You know, so she, she does that and she, 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 ta- she changes the light so that when Lee does get there, he knows that it, something bad is happening. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like, She's, or, 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 you know, all the while she manages to get to the, I think it was the, the bathtub, right? She manages to get in the bathtub, and that's where she's like, these contractions are coming. Lee and Marcus are able to see the, the lights, and Lee goes into panic mode. He sends off Marcus to some faraway area across the farm, and he starts setting off fireworks in order to draw the monster's attention because at this point Evelyn just can't hold it she starts like she starts screaming in pain the baby's coming one of the monsters manages to go into the farmhouse and it's just so much stuff is going on all at once and then finally Lee makes it up to the bathroom where Evelyn is the monster ends up running away going after the fireworks that Marcus sets off and he finds blood all over the floor and you have that heart-wrenching moment 
where Lee possibly lost not only his child, but his wife. You know, he saw the monster leave. He has this, you know, you really feel for him. And, of course, subverting your expectations again. You get the bloody handprint up against the fucking shower. Mm -hmm. And then you find Evelyn is there and they have a a beautiful baby. Forgot if if they had a baby boy or girl. Um, But, yeah, now you got a big squishy noise machine. Evelyn is fine. But now Reagan's missing, right? So the big thing is finding Reagan. So, this is pretty much where the film starts taking off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I noticed, even the kids are smart. <laughs> they, you know, they, they start, I know a lot of people, some people that watch this movie, one of their biggest complaints is, all oh, these kids got, these kids are going to get their parents killed. Um, what Reagan starts noticing is whenever the, when the, when the monsters come around, she gets like a feedback noise in the cochlear implants mm-hmm. and she starts noticing the monsters are reacting to them and while the family gets separated the kids go to a corn silo where they manage to where they start a fire to, to signal Lee where they are um, Lee thinking that at this time Lee thinks Evelyn is go- is dead so he isn't able to see the fire in time the kids are just chilling at the silo and Reagan and Marcus have this fight because she thinks that everyone hates her and then he tries to explain that no dad is going to come back he's going to save us and she says no he's going to save you mm-hmm. suddenly Marcus drops down into the silo and starts drowning in corn kernels? <laughs> I didn't know that could happen. Can people die like that? I, I guess. I mean, I guess you could get... You could probably die getting, like, like just... Getting Crushed? stuck in a room with everything. Asphyxiated? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, yeah. Like, if you were in... Right? Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the 2010 movie with... Uh, God, what is the actor's name? Is Deadpool... Ryan Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds. There's a movie where he's in a coffin the entire time. Buried. Oh, Buried. I watched yeah. that one. Yeah. And then, like, just how, like, you know, obviously if you're buried underground and a bunch of dirt is in there, you just won't be able to breathe at any point, right? So, I definitely believe it's possible. But, <laughs> yeah, definitely not where I saw this going. <laughs> I didn't think Corn was going to be the biggest enemy of the movie. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, the biggest bad guy in the movie, right? Um... Reagan's able to jump down, lands on the uh, on the on the door, and is able to save Bo. But as soon as she saves him, the monster fucking attacks them inside of the silo. Yeah. And at this point, she manages to shove the uh, shove the cochlear implant in the monster's face, making it react, scream in pain. It takes off running. Right. So at this point, she knows the sound can has some sort of negative effect on them. Yep. Yeah. Um. Then they they escape the silo and they go and they reunite with with Lee. Um, creature comes back and attacks Lee. Uh, ends up like cutting his stomach right, and uh, the kids manage to run away while he tries to fight off the monster. They they run into this truck, and while the monster is attacking, it starts attacking them because I think. It was Marcus that started screaming? Yeah. He, he actually, like, just has a 
terrified reaction where he like screams out loud. Well, understandable. Yes. Don't blame him. Do not blame that kid. <laughs> so he has the screaming fit. Monster goes and attacks him. It's or, very Jurassic Park. Very. It's very yeah. like the the scene where they're in the jeeps where the T like, Rex you know, is the attacking him. Yep. Yeah. I got that vibe too. Yeah. And at this point, the monster, like the feedback gets too much for Reagan, so she turns off the cochlear implant. And the monster's like running at him. You know, what What can we do? He wants to save his kids. And the most emotional part in the movie for me, he signs to his daughter that he loves her and that he's always loved her. And then he lets out a scream and the monster attacks him. Kills Lee. The kids manage to pull the emergency brake and roll the car all the way back down to the farmhouse. And I'm going to completely be honest, 100% honest with y'all. That scene made me tear up. And, like, I'm kind of getting, I'm trying not to get choked up talking about it right now. Mm-hmm. Because it's such a simple scene, right? But it's like the fact that he can't verbally say it. So, like, his final act of love is finally letting out noise, right? Making a sound to save his kids. And it's just like, damn, dude. It was just so well done. It's such an incredible scene. But fuck you. Fuck you for ruining this scene for me. <laughs> okay. Alright. So, when I was watching this movie, I made the colossal mistake of getting onto Twitter, right? And <laughs> the first tweet that I saw about this movie was a guy who was basically saying, like, you know, what would make this scene better... <laughs> Is John Krasinski just lets out a giant, yeah, boy, <laughs> and then immediately dies. <laughs> it just goes nice, dies. <laughs> Mind you, Angel sent me this. He sent me the tweet while I was at a work meeting. <laughs> And right before I had to go and give, like, a presentation, <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm biting my lip and, like, coughing to cover up the laugh. <laughs> and the, the now, unfortunately, the scene's been... I mean, the scene hasn't really been ruined. No, but come on. <laughs> you just got emotional talking about it a day after you watched it or several days after you watched it, so... Oh, no, believe it or not, I haven't seen this movie in weeks. Yeah, it's... The it's, last time I watched it, well, I just... I don't want to spoil it, but spoiler alert. It's very, it's, it's, it's again, it's, I think, going back to what you said, is it's very powerful. It is a very powerful moment. It shows the love that, you know, John Krasinski had for the material that he was dealing with. And it just shows the respect that he has for the kind of characters that he was creating. Like these, again, it, it feels, even though this is dealing with a very similar kind of plot device that, Bird Box was dealing with. Yep. We we can't not make those parallels because these movies were, or, you know, Bird Box totally ripped off. But it is so very clearly a much more well done and well thought out version of that. And also just someone who cares about the material more. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Because uh, ultimately... What separates the monsters from each movie is that Bird Box, all you have to do is just not look at them. But the monsters here is you you can't control sound. You can to a certain extent, but you rip one loud fart 
<laughs> or one huge burp. <laughs> and you're fucked. No, I mean, like, obviously, it's just it's just what really matters is that, again, this is not a movie that's about monsters. This no, not at all. This is a movie that's about actual characters. It, and because the movie has taken its time creating characters that you can believe in, a moment like this has a great impact on you while you're watching the film. Remember, guys, the real monster is grief, and the only way to kill them is forgiveness. <laughs> oh no! I'm assuming this movie was was a parable, a scary parable. I mean, it's scarable de- trademark. It's definitely it's it definitely. Oh no! It, I mean, I don't think it. I don't think it's as ham fisted as other movies, but I think that, that you no know. grief. I mean, yeah, in many ways, grief is the monster. Yeah, and uh, I think there's yeah, it's like that. Well, we'll get into it after we <laughs> complete, completed our thoughts on the film. Itself. So finally. Uh, everyone returns to the, or, you know, the kids manage to get inside the farmhouse again. Um, and, you know, they reunite with Evelyn and the baby, and meet the baby. They go out, and they, oh, that's what it was, I forgot. One really important thing from the beginning of the movie, they go down in the basement. And, um, Lee wouldn't let Reagan go down into the basement. And she always wondered why. Why couldn't she go down to the basement? And well, one, it wasn't soundproof, and they were making noise down there. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to soundproof it. But when she finally goes down there, she finally got to see how much her father actually loved her. Because it was, she this whole time, she thought he was finding the implants. What she didn't know was that he taught himself how to make them. And he has all these books, and he has, like, all the tools, the soldering kit. He has the giant magnifying glass. Like, he has a workstation dedicated to making the stuff. Not only that, we also see something really important. So we see that there's closed captioning footage, there's a ham radio, and there's there's a whiteboard with a bunch of information that Lee had been tracking. Turns out Lee had been doing his research trying to find out how many of the monsters are. In their area, there's three monsters. Mm -hmm. So we haven't, it could be possible we've been seeing only one this whole time. It could be possible we've seen different ones at this time. But at this point, you know, we only, we only know about one, right? So the monster ends up returning and is about to attack him in the, in the, uh, down in the, uh, basement, right? So Emily Blunt, or I'm sorry, Evelyn grabs the shotgun and like racks the shell and she knows this monster and you know is bulletproof but she's gonna try her best to save her kids and then Reagan realizes she remembers the, the feedback hurts the monsters so she takes off her implant and puts it right next to the ham radio and creates this huge feedback like noise that causes the monster to like oh get overloaded and sensory like bullshit and then, like, all the iron plates or, like, the, the the bulletproof armored plates open up and you see, like, the pink gooey insides of the monster just enough for Evelyn to shoot the creature. Ends up killing it. One shot. Mm-hmm. And so much shit happens in that one scene and it's all so fucking cool. <laughs> one... Our heroes finally have a way to beat the monster. Yeah. They know how to do it using reasoning, being fucking smart, using the tools around them. They they manage to find the creature's weakness, and you know the they tell you so much without it with it being so subtle. You know, and then the the camera cuts to the CCTV cameras, um, and you just see two 
lines cutting through these cornfields. You don't actually see the monsters, but you know they're coming. And they're coming straight for the house. And then, you know, the everyone looks at each other. The kids all look at each other. Marcus takes care of the baby. Reagan just gives her mom a look. And the film ends as Evelyn cocks the shotgun, making another noise. And you know they're fucking, they're fucking ready. And they're going to fucking fight. And they're going to kill these monsters. They're going to be fucking ready. And I was just like, I got so hyped for that scene. Because I thought it was such a perfect way to end the film. It was just so perfect for the last, the last sound you hear in the movie. Being the shotgun being cocked by Evelyn. You know? Because not only do, do they, these characters get retribution for... For Bo and for and for Lee, but they actually, you know, they, they can finally survive. And I was just like, you know, spending an hour, hour and 20 minutes with these characters, you really do, like, it's the little things that make you care about them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it was just so fucking cool. It was so great to see that. Um, it was just a very well-directed film. And I fucking hate that there's going to be a sequel. I fucking hate it. I thought it was a perfect ending. I thought it was... It, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch. But I fucking love this movie. <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> oh, God. Do we like A Quiet Place? I need a Gatorade after all that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously... Obviously, my thoughts on it are... I think it's highly impressive. Um, I heard a lot of amazing things about it when it was coming out. I knew it was a movie that I was going to get to at any point. Um, I appreciated that the movie was short because especially, I think we talked about it in our last episode, but watching these really long modern movies now, yeah. like, I just feel like we're at a point right now where for the most part, by and large, movies that are coming out from Hollywood, like everyone thinks they have to be three hours long. Yep. Everyone's <laughs> trying to make a fucking epic ass story. And your movies don't have to be that long. No. This movie tells you more... <laughs> I'm just in case we never get to it, I'll say this much. This movie tells me more than three hours of It Chapter 2 did <laughs> in the short amount of time that it did it in. <laughs> Hot take! It's, just, it's a really impressive film. I really, I, I think I have a greater esteem for um, John Krasinski as a filmmaker. I really hope that whatever he does next, I mean, he is going to do a sequel to this, mm -hmm. but I really do hope that after he's gotten that, I, you know... He, Guys who are this smart don't stay making horror movies forever, mm -hmm. but I do hope that he does something else in the horror genre because, again, this is one of those examples of horror movies that are being elevated to a higher level of prestige mm -hmm. because the people who are making them are so good at what they do and have such a respect for the material that they're dealing with. Like, I, One of the reasons I love this movie so much is it's not about the monsters like you said earlier it's definitely like a family movie it's a family dealing with a shitty situation it's a family dealing with loss it's a lot like um shit what was that donald sutherland movie like regular ordinary people right like it's just about family learning to cope and whether it's coping with loss or coping with their actual situation like the monsters aren't even center stage you know it's about the family well, it's, there's another horror movie that I am in love with that I do hope we do at some point in the 
time that we do this show from the 70s called Don't Look Now. Mm-hmm. Which, which you just talked about. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, stars, which stars Donald Sutherland as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really great. It's, it's, and, and this movie does make me think of it at, uh, as much because, you know, it's about parents dealing with the loss of a child. Except mm-hmm. that one's different because it's their only child that is gone. Mm-hmm. In this one, it's just, again, it is. It, you feel that they're such a real family. And even when... Um, Gosh, I already forgot his character. Uh, Lee? Lee. Even when Lee is, uh, you know, is killed, you know, I'll put that in air quotes because, again, sequel. (laughs) Even after he's killed, there's almost a part of you that feels like he'll be there with Bo in Mm -hmm. the afterlife, right? Like, nobody is ever truly alone in this family. We all float down here. (laughs) No, like, it's... And here's the interesting thing. Like, I want to see where you're going to go with the sequel. I really hope it's not about this same family. Yeah. It feels like their story's done, you know? And it's like... It's the same thing how I felt about Stranger Things for a bit. Where it's like... After Stranger Things 1... Especially <laughs> with the name like Stranger Things, I thought every season was going to be a self-contained thing. Kind of like American Horror Story. But it was like, okay, the kids from Hawkins, their story's done. Let me hear another one. Same thing with here. Like... The, you know, Lee and Evelyn's families... You don't arc. want them to go back to the well too many times. Yeah, you know? you And we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, John Krasinski's a very uh, talented director. He, he knows what he's doing. He's fucking great. Um, and, yeah, the man can tell a story. Like, it was just a really well-told story. Didn't overstay its welcome. It's like an hour and 20 tops. Um, it's just, it goes by really quick. It's, it's definitely worth a watch. I like it. So it's Javi approved. So we'd like to thank everybody for joining us for this episode of the show. Um, we really hope that you guys continue to follow us during the month of October while we're reviewing horror movies. And uh, that you continue to interact with us, with us on social media. That you, consider, that you continue to uh, recommend movies that we can review even after this month is over. Because we do have a set schedule at this point. But please continue to interact with us. Like, the movie Scream was not anything that we had planned on our schedule. Nope. But it was something that was brought to us by a listener that we decided to put. So we are men of the people. And uh, <laughs> if the, you know, if, if whoever listens to our show has a, you know, movie that they'd like to recommend to us, we, we will find a way to fit it into the schedule. So. Yeah, we'll try. No promises. Yeah. We'll, we'll try our hardest to do it. So, actually, fun fact, Angel and I were talking about any uh, any horror movies that we didn't get to get through uh, this October season. We're going to try. Maybe we'll curtail them at the end, of, you know, and with November. We, we still have a couple more Star Wars movies to get through. Uh, but, yeah, just a reminder, this is all about spooky shit right now. <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah we'll talk to you guys next time and continue to join us for our uh, do we like horror movie series so uh, is that what we're calling it sure why not not officially but we can uh, just... we'll call it do we like horror movie oh yeah if you guys have something clever to name our series and during October please send it to us maybe through IG um, yeah because do we like horror movies Sounds kind of late. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so until next time, I'm Angel. And I'm Javi. Later, turds.